In, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and in verse 2, there was a, a, a group of people that God had gathered to David. And of course, David was the leader and David had an army. And before, they didn't look like an army. And before Christ, we didn't either. <laughs> and many people after Christ still had some ethuth. <laughs> but God. <laughs> In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2, and everyone that was in distress. Distress is, is you know, kind of being panicked and, and being stressed out. And everyone that was in distress. That's not quite the way you want to start a church. But the truth of the matter is, and everyone that was in debt. And everyone that was discontented. Discontented. Paul said, I have learned. I have learned. I have learned in whatever state I am in, therewith to be content. I've been abased and I've been abounded. But here's what I've learned. So contentment has got to be learned. And it takes a process of time. That's a discontented person is an awesome candidate for the potter's wheel. Everyone. Distressed. In debt and discontented, they gathered themselves unto him, and he became their pastor. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Whoo, hallelujah. He can turn the distressed into the blessed. He can take those in debt and make them debt free. He can take the disgruntled, the discontented, the disconnected, glory to God, and make them happy in their heart and connect them to the living Christ. Give them a peace that completely passes their understanding. The discontented, the disgruntled, and the disconnected. He'll connect them. So <laughs> they came to David and he became a captain over them. And, you know, there was about 400 of them. And over the process of time, these people became David's closest soldiers 
and warriors and closest confidants. Men of God that literally turned their world upside down. I believe tonight I'm looking at some world changers. Come on now, does this world need some changing? I'm not talking about the times they are changing. I'm talking about becoming world changers. We do not conform to the times that are changing. We stand on the unchangeable word of the living God. And we change the world around us. We're not conformed to this world, but we're transformed. We're being changed. You know what? We're being changed every day. Billy Brim sings that wonderful song, From glory to glory, he's changing me. Changing me. And you, and more like Jesus, every day. Amen. And so God can use a group like us. God is using a group like us. And he will use us in the last of the last days. Big battles are not won necessarily by a multitude, but by a chosen few. You see, many are called, but there are few that are chosen. Say with me, I'm one of the chosen ones. I'm one of those chosen ones. Amen. You're one of those chosen ones right there. Glory to God. You're a chosen one. Every one of you are chosen ones. And so we qualify to be chosen by just giving him our everything. And just knowing that in the natural, we are not all that. But he is all that. And he has put all that in here. Amen. Amen. Everyone say it with me, Jesus Christ, Christ. in me, me. the hope of glory. glory. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1. These guys were so submissive, they gave their all. For the cause in that day, in that hour. Remember David said when his brother's knees were knocking, when Goliath was chiding them and mocking them, and David stood up and said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Hey guys, is there not a cause in America? Is, is there not a cause for every Christian to be front and center and not whiny and wimpy? I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I've got to get warmed up for Sunday morning. You know? <laughs> a person with a strong spirit is not a whiner nor a complainer. 
Okay, so let's look at Philippians chapter 1. And we'll look at some verses here. I'll just go ahead and read. It's good to read the word, isn't it? Verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I I saw something tonight I've got to share with you. I'm going to share it with the congregation on Sunday too. As I was praying uh, this evening for the congregation, uh, I came across a confession that I make on a regular basis. And it's out of Charles Capp's book, um, God's Creative Power. And, and one of the confessions in there is, I receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. The eyes of my understanding are continuously being enlightened. I receive. Now, understand this, that there is constant prayer, I guess you could say, going up for you. But prayer that goes up is to have no avail if it's not received. How, how can I say this? Years ago, I, I, I became aware that Brother Kenneth Copeland prays certain prayers for his partners. You know, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1, 1 Thessalonians 5, 3 John 2. And, and there have been times where I just, I just drew near to the fact that someone was praying for me. And in my heart of hearts, I just drew near to God and I said, Lord, I receive the prayers that Brother Copeland's praying for me. And so we must not take lightly the fact of praying for one another. And I'm not saying that you do take lightly the prayers that are prayed for you. But I think from time to time, it's good to acknowledge it and say, Lord, I receive. I receive. The prayers of the saints. Amen? Amen. Okay. So that's an extra. Verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. So he's acknowledging how precious it is. And they are. Always in prayer of mine for you. All making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident. Now this confidence that the Apostle Paul had, I believe, came out of the spirit of prayer. That he maintained. Now that's a message right there. Confidence comes forth from the spirit of prayer. And this is the... Confidence that we have in Him. Yeah, that's good. Very good. Amen. Ooh, thank you, Lord. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he'd been praying for them, I'm sure, on a continuous basis, continual basis. And then he said, I'm confident. I am so confident. I am so assured 
of this very thing. Read the rest with me. That he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The performance of Christ in you, the hope of glory, and the performance of the good work that God has started in you, in me, in us, in this church, He will complete it. He will fulfill it. And it shall not be without testing. It shall not be without trial. That just comes with the territory. But remember who's on your side. Remember who lives in you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Listen to this. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is everywhere in between. And He is the performer of every good work in you. Hold fast to that. Amen. And in verse 7, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you where? Isn't it a good thing to have one another in, in your heart? Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. Now let's look over at Philippians chapter 2. We quoted that a little bit earlier. Philippians, the, the second chapter, and uh, I think I'll just go ahead and, and read some verses and, and we'll just let the tree fall as it may tonight, okay? In uh, verse 1 of Philippians 2, it says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind... Let this mind... Let this mindset, let this attitude, let this lifestyle... Of being unselfish, let it be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, when we get on the potter's wheel, he'll work selfishness out of our lives. He will work me first mindsets out of Christians' lives. It's not a me first mindset Christianity that we have. We do not vote specifically because something is just good for us. We vote specifically because something is good for the nation. And good for the overall of mankind in the nation. Say la. 
There's got to be some spiritual growth take place. Spiritual growth. Growing up. Rising up. Growing up. We're going to leave this place one of these days. It's all going to end. Someday. And the things that we go get so caught up with, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. It's all going to dissolve. The yachts, the jets, the condos, the Cadillacs. I have nothing against any of those things. But it can't be out of me first. It's got to be out of seeking Him first. Amen. So I think that's enough about that. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant, and he was made what? I heard this years ago, it's branded in my spirit. He was made in the likeness of men so that you could be made in the likeness of God. He's made us a little lower than the angels. And being, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I'm so glad he did. Because of this, God also highly exalted him and given him a name or the name, which is what? You've got the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, come on now, every knee, every knee is going to bow. Of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Brother Hagin in his book, The Name of Jesus, said this literally, that this is saying of beings in heaven... And beings in earth and beings under the earth. Every knee. Every knee. And if they don't bow now, they're going to bow later. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away. Read verse 10 and 11 with me, please. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now I'm going to read verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only... But now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with what? Now, this is not telling us to work to be saved. Paul was the overseer of the church at Philippi. And even though he was not present in the flesh, 
he was present in the spirit. And he was saying, I'm not here, but I say to you, church at Philippi, and what belongs to the church at Philippi belongs to the church in the Bay Area. He's saying, work out your own salvation. How? With fear and trouble. In other words, with reverence. It's an awesome thing to be a Christian. Now, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. So this is not talking about salvation for your spirit to be born again. What this is referring to, this great salvation that has been bought and paid for you, dwells on the inside of you. And it's up to you to stir yourself up and to begin to work the word and begin to labor to enter into the rest of God and begin to see this salvation show up in your spirit, your soul, your body, your finances. Work it out. Amen. Work it out. Work it out. It's in you. Work it out. Now notice in verse 13. For it is God. (laughs) Isn't it a work of the flesh? Because it is God which worketh in you. Both to will. Woo! And to do what? Does God have some pleasure that he wants to see done? What kind of pleasure is it? Is it? It's good pleasure. Does God want to do some good, awesome, mighty things in your life and in this nation? Let him work in you. Let him work in you. Now, I want to look at that in the Amplified Version, if we could. I can remember when my youngest son, James, was just struggling so much with depression and anxiety. It was just, it was, in the natural realm, it was horrific. It was demonic. It, it rended our heart. But God. And... We learned some great lessons to put our trust completely in the Lord and to let God be God. But I can remember in the early, early days when this attack came into his life, this scripture changed him. Because, you know, when you, when you get into a battle, you think you, you get distressed and, and, and you try to pull this and push that and, you know, you get kind of hung up in guilt and condemnation. That's the devil. And here's a scripture that really helped him. It's really helping me. And I believe it's helping the body of Christ. Everyone say, it is not in my own strength. Not in my own strength. Why? Because it's God. 
Don't ever factor God out. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. It's not in my own strength that I can stand before you tonight. Yes. It's not in our own strength that we have a five-acre property here with a building that people are salvitating about. It's not in our own strength. Okay, remember that, the potter's wheel. For it is God, notice, who is all the while or all the time effectually at work in you. Say this with me. God, God is at all times, all times. Effectually, effectually and effectively. And effectively. He's, working in me. he's working in me. I can hear T.D. Jake say, he's working, he's working, he's working, he's working. <laughs> say that real quick with me. He's working, he's working, he's working, he's working. He's working all the while. He's working all the time. When you don't feel like he's working... If you put your heart in his hand, you put your life in his, in his hand, he's a working. He's working it out. Now, it doesn't always happen the way you think it's going to happen. But God, the master planner who made you his masterpiece, can do it just right. And when it happens, you go, ah, <laughs> I see. It's a aha moment. Not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at working, work in you. Now notice this. He's energizing and creating in you the power and desire. Part of his work in your life is he will impart to you the desire. And the power and the ability to become a God chaser. To run after him with all your heart. And this is one of the things that James saw when he was in the, in the depths of depression. He understood, it's God working in me. And he's giving me the ability... And he's implanting in me the desire to move forward with my life. Creating and energizing in heart of the bay, the power and desire. Let's read the rest together. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. This is God at work in us individually. This is God at work in us corporately. And I believe that if enough Christians will lay down their life for Him, that this great desire and power has the ability to explode in our nation. Yes. Amen? Yeah. Didn't say it's going to be easy, didn't say it's going to be rosy, but everyone say, but God. But God. Hallelujah. But God. Thank you, Lord. 
Hallelujah. Billy Joe Doherty, many of you know him, great pastor, passed away not too many years ago, passed a great, great, wonderful church in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Victory. And uh, he did a message called, Let's Get on the Meat That Jesus Ate. I want on his meat. How about you? Look at John chapter 4 real quickly and we'll close. John the fourth chapter. The meat that Jesus eats. (laughs) I'm glad I came tonight. We're just being encouraged by the Lord, aren't we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, here it is. Thank you, Lord, for helping me with that. John uh, uh, 4, verse 34. Well, actually, no, verse 33. They, they were talking about meat and feeding the people and, and different things like that. And in verse 33, therefore said the disciples one to another, has any man brought him out to eat? And Jesus said, here's my meat. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Is there some work to be finished? Is there some work in your life to be completed? That's the meat that we want to be on. The meat that Jesus eats with open hearts. Say, Lord... I just want to do your will and may your work be finished in my life and may the will of God be fully accomplished. Is that your prayer tonight? Praise God. Let's all stand.